Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Second Kings chapter 13. We're going to read verses 14 to 19. Verse 14, if you don't have your Bible, that's no problem. Just look on the screen with us. Now, Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. Brother, Brother Turner, I, I don't know. I was trying to figure this out with Elisha. Um, I don't know if this is recorded because he was sick multiple times. We don't know about. It feels redundant lest there be purpose. But it seems like they say this is the one that got him. Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face. Everybody say wept. That's what he did. He He just cried and wept. He said, oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen thereof. Elisha said unto him, take Take bow and arrows. And he took him into his bow and arrows. And he said unto the king of Israel, Elisha said, Put thy hand upon the bow. And he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Elisha said, Now shoot. And he shot. He said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. This was a common custom, practice of warfare in this time. To shoot an arrow in the direction of the army that was meaning to destroy you. It's common practice. It was a preemptive strike. Not thinking that it was going to reach Syria, but just kind of throwing the testimony ahead. It would have been one thing for the king to do it by himself, but the king was linked with the prophet. He shot it. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. That's the prophecy. But there was a second part. Of it. Verse 18, he said, Take the arrows. So he, he took them, Joash takes them. He said unto the king of Israel, Now smite upon the ground. People want to argue whether this means that he shot them into the ground or whether he hit the ground. Wherever you want to argue it, have fun. And he smote thrice, or he struck three times. 
and stayed. And the man of God, Elisha, the same guy that just told him in 17 that there would be complete victory, the man of God was wroth and said, you should have smitten five or six times. Then you would have smote Syria till you had consumed it. He said, wait a minute, you told me I had consumed it. He said, no, you should have, you should have done five or six times. Whereas now, you're going to smite it but three times. Okay? I want to preach for just a little while today. Three strikes and you're out. <laughs> Would you pray with me? I'm going to turn my mic off. I want you to lift your voices and let them fill this house in prayer. Come on, pray that the Word of God would do what it needs to accomplish here today. Praise God, praise God, praise God. You may be seated. Three strikes, you're out. It is no mystery to the ladies and gentlemen of this church that I was involved in youth ministry for a long time. I did, in fact, Brother Henderson, find myself as the advocate of youth and young adults for many years now, as it were. And I would submit to you. Sister Di, you did a great job leading worship. I would, I would tell you that there's something about instruction. When we were talking before Service today, we kind of talked about how things would be facilitated and how it would work and what would take place. And so I find myself feeling hard to judge people that were not given clear instruction. Some of you in this room can remember a time that somebody got onto you, but they didn't really tell you what they wanted. I guess I'm just supposed to understand what you want. <laughs> guess I'm supposed to read your mind. And then they say something like, if you don't know by now. Oh, I know something by now. I know something. And so I will tell you that part of me wants to say to Elisha, if you're not going to be happy with three Tell him beforehand, thank you. <laughs> Let him know. But I would submit to you from the beginning of the message. Elisha's about to die. And he's kind of at a place where he's wishing the next generation would have got it by now. If I could dumb this all the way down, 
and un-KJV it for a second. And let me just JVC this for a moment. I feel like Elisha was kind of wondering, when can I stop changing your diaper? May I unpackage this just a little bit for you? Some of you are thinking the text, not the diaper. How many grew up, whether it was in the backyard or it was down at the local park or maybe it was a summer league? Anybody in here grow up or you enjoyed playing baseball? You enjoyed being a part of that? Yeah, some of you in here. How many of you, be honest, you're just terrible at baseball. That, that's never, you're never, never going to happen. Yep, it's all right. It's all right. Admitting it is half the battle. That's it. I can remember I loved to play. We played wiffle ball as a kid. I grew up in Illinois. Chicago Cubs was a thing. Sorry. But there was this song that was written in 1908. A little song became pretty catchy. Took off. Called Take Me Out to the ball game. And for the sacrilege it might cause, we will not sing it in this room, but some of you already did. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Seventh inning stretch. Shocking to me that it's written by two guys who had never attended a game. They just had watched and read about it from a distance. But they did get that line right. Although it was originally written for home team, if they don't win. It just got kind of adapted over the years that instead of home team, the home crowd would cheer their team's name during that seven-inning stretch singspiration. But the line, the line that everybody who knows baseball knows was accurate. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Now I must tell you, Joe Ash didn't know. Brother Ross, he, he just did not know. He didn't think that three strikes was all he got. It was long before this little alley song was ever going to be pinned. It had nothing to do with that great American game, that pastime. No, no, no. This was about warfare. And the likening to which I address you today, I start with this as a clear understanding. What we're doing here is not a game. It's not a game living for God. It's not a game going to church. And I can somewhat hear the faint sounds of a dying prophet in Elisha where he's wanting to tell Joash, don't you get it? We're talking about war. This is not a game. It's not a game. 
And uh, I think it's important that we address old Elisha for a second. You know, we never think of Elisha as the old guy. But Elisha got old, Brother Marshall. We preach Elisha like he's still a little kid filling that mantle, right? It's like we never get let Elisha get past burning the oxen. Elisha got old. We all get old. I know some of you want to deny. <laughs> you can try to wear whatever you want. But your wrinkle's going to tell on you. If you'll let it, your hair's going to tell on you. Somebody said, just go on now, son. Just go on now, son. <laughs> Elisha got old. Somebody say old. It's been 60 years since he was called to be a prophet. 60 years since he had began that. And from anointing Jehu, which had been 45 years before Joash had began his reign, we don't even find anybody talk about Elisha. He doesn't even get an honorable mention. Elisha? The guy who's standing there when the chariot comes and pick Nothing. Nada. Zip. Zilch. Here's why. The time of his flourishing was much less than the time of his Living. If you're only powerful because you have public prominence, then you're not really powerful at all. Yeah. He was the guy who Joash knew he needed to go see even though there were no headline articles recently written about him. He had struck the waters when Elijah was taken up in that fiery chariot. But now his death is about to be much more casual. I've preached about him before. I'll preach about him again. But I feel like I'm on assignment today for somebody. To tell you, Elisha spent most of his life just living what was right. Nobody was calling his name. They were not flocking his bedside. If they were, Joash would have had to fight through the crowd to get to him. Can I tell you one of the scariest scenes we never address is the reality that there is an evil king in the middle of a land and there is a dying prophet that is available and accessible but never sought. We need elders. We need men and women of God that until their dying breath, we give them the opportunity to lay their hands upon us and impart their words to us and give us what thus saith the Lord. And if you don't agree with that, you don't agree with Bible because that is Bible. We need the gray-haired man and the gray-haired woman who are called of God, sanctified of God, to be an elder in the church that can be a prophet in this day. 
And I believe in apostles. And I believe in prophets. I believe in evangelists and pastors and teachers. And none at the exclusion of the other. Kings and prophets were put together. They were needed together. Because the prophet would press the king. And Joash is set for a terrible outcome here. Because he's going to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Just like his father before him. Now, I must address. There is something to generational curses. But they are not meant to be excuses that keep us bound up. Well, I can't be faithful because my dad wasn't faithful. I got to be a drunk because my dad was a drunk. I got to be abusive because my mom was abusive. I have to be an infidel because... I go to church when I want to because that's what my aunt did. I, I, I kind of go home and chew on the pastor because that's what I... You don't have to be what you saw. You can be who you are in Christ. Old creatures become new creations... It does not matter what the generation. Joash, quit thinking that it's your excuse because it's what your dad did. Who do you want to be? What do you want to become? Why don't you turn to somebody and ask them that question. What do you want to become? What do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Listen, if you want to be great, don't let somebody in your family's history make you less. Well, I can't, I can't have money because nobody in my family ever has. Now, if money's your God, you can't have it. If you love money, you don't need it. But just because your dad was broke, just because your mom was broke, just because somebody in your family tree gambled everything away or smoked everything away, that does not, man, I'm on something right now. That does not mean that you have to stay that way. I'm going to take it one further. Your children deserve better than that. Your babies deserve better. Woo! They deserve you to be a man of God. They deserve you to square your... Maybe your parents never were demonstrative, but you got to break that cycle and say, as for me and my house, we're going to live for God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clap your hands under the Lord if you believe it. My problem with Joash he doesn't want the man of God until he's about to die. There's nothing left because of previous leadership the kingdom is wrecked. There ain't but a handful of soldiers and chariots and horsemen left. He comes walking in. Elisha. Elisha's on his deathbed. Death, deathbed, Brother John, he's dying. Feeble shout.
And I want to ask Joash, where were you when he was healthy? Oh, you didn't need him then because the kingdom was still okay. Can I tell you what Joash came to the realization? Even though the chariots were depleted and the horses were almost gone and he was down to nothing but 10,000 or less 10 soldiers, he recognizes the only reason I'm alive at all is because he still is. Because you read through it, you take a look at it. In the Old Testament, kings and prophets were put together. He was covered because there was a prophet who prayed when he wouldn't stay. There was a prophet that would hold back the judgment of God. Man, I feel something today. I really. He'd hold back the judgment of God. Joash comes in and he can, he can hear his crackling chest. And he comes and he, he falls at his bedside and says, My father, my father. The chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And I've talked about it before and I'm going to bring it up again this morning. This very story where he looks at him and he echoes the words that Elisha had said when Elijah is taken away. My father! My father! But in one scenario, Elisha was crying because he genuinely did not want Elijah to leave him even though a double blessing was about to come upon him and the mantle was truly to be wrapped upon his shoulders and they would soon, those sons of the prophets, would even know that in Elisha rested power and authority. Even at his taking, Elisha said, don't go yet. But now in a self-serving moment where all Joash wants is for the kingdom to have a little bit more time so that he can continue to live wickedly and act wickedly, he walks into the deathbed of a dying king who was righteous all along and tries to echo the words of true sentiment. Saying the same words are not enough. That's why one can say, God, I'm sorry, and they're genuine, and the Lord will touch them in that moment, and true repentance will occur, and you can, re listen, you can say the same words, you can echo the same words, but if you don't mean it, because it's not about the power of the words, it's about the power of that God. And Joash says the words, and don't you see the mercy of Elisha? Even on his deathbed, he crawls out. You gotta watch, you gotta kind of see his robe come across the side, and, and I can see him. I've, I've stood in so many, probably thousands of hospital rooms over the years with, with elders, and I watch them try to try to come and they want to worship and they want to try. I, I can see his little feeble legs slip over the side, and I know it probably didn't happen, but I see these little these, these little uh, uh, you know shoes, these little sandals, these little house shoes he's trying to slip on. And I, I see his back a little bent at this point and his, his ashy little egg, legs. And he's just, he's just kind of young and, or old and feeble. And he, he's not the young man that he was. And he, he's easing out of that bed. And, And he has the young man get the bow and the arrow. When the truth is, a king would have been way more skilled with a bow than a prophet would have. 
since you think you can do it on your own, get the bow. I'm going to teach you one more lesson. He gets that young man. Let me tell you how funny it was. Come here, Justin. I want you to pretend. You ever held a bow before? Yeah. Okay. Pretend you're holding a bow here. Yeah. Very good. Watch this. Now, we would think this is a little creepy. <laughs> we think it's a little creepy because we live in a world that is so depleted the man of God that someone getting close enough makes it look man I'm telling you he gets a... imagine him imagine Joash having to feel the shallow breaths of a dying prophet in his ear I wish it would have wrecked his brain. Why have I let him lay here strong when I could have had his influence all this time? Whew. He walks up to him. Open that, open that window. He's holding that bow. The Bible says he put his hands on his hand. And he has him shoot. And he has... Let me tell you what he is doing. He is striving to impart... He is striving to impart. I know you're skilled with the bow, but you found out by now what you can do is not enough. If it was enough, there'd be more chariots, there'd be more horsemen, there'd be more soldiers. But right now, because all you're doing is what your daddy did, now it's still depleted. It's still ran down. So he says, open up and hold that bow, and the window is open. And he says, shoot that arrow. And the Bible says that that arrow flew. He says, oh, Joash. Oh, Joash. You're going you're gonna to consume them. Take, take, take up the arrows. Here's, here's what I think. I think Joash is thinking, you got to be kidding me. This is awkward. I just want you to do one of those little blessing things. Give me one of them little. And let me go. But watch this. He goes from hands on to hands off. It's the in between. I'm right between. I've wanted to be hands on all these years, but you haven't let me. So I'm going to show you what I've tried to do. Now I'm going to step right to, to hands off, but I'm still going to be in your presence. And he says, I want, you to, I want you to strike the arrows. I want you to take that. And Joash takes the arrows. And I don't know if he shoots them into the ground or he hits them. And theologians want to argue it, but I'm telling you it's a stretch. Whichever way you believe, you're right. Don't come talk to me after church about it. He strikes three times. Now watch. Joe Ash, you're standing there. I've had to sit back down because my little slippers, my little ashy legs, almost done, and I've told you to pick it up. I'm sick of the sickness whereof I'm about to die, and I've asked you to strike the ground. And he did what he has always been doing. 
He goes through the motions. Now I'll give him this. He didn't do it once. He didn't do it twice. But he did it three times. And what happens to old dying Elisha? What's he do? He what? Now some of you elders, help me in this room if you'll be honest to tell me, you still get a little fire when you need it. Let your grandkid talk back. Out of nowhere you go from this. When grandma's face goes red, you run. Run. He strikes three times. Will you travel with me into the mind of Joash? I came here because we're losing everything. And you're telling me hit the ground? Oh, I'm going through the motions because it's what I'm told to do. And he is so carnal that he is missing spiritual impartation. Hits, strikes three times. And here he comes. Why? Why did you only do it three times? You may be seated. This is where I'm saying, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Tell him five or six. Tell him five or six. But Elisha is realizing you've got to know what it's going to take. Can I tell you as your pastor right now, you've got to know what it's going to take for your family. I'm not playing games with you right now. This is not some take me out to the ball game scenario. You hear me right now. Hell wants your family. I mean, he wants your family. He's after your family. He's coming to destroy your family. And if you think three little strikes and one little week of consecration is going to get the job done. I need the kind of striking revival that says you can't have them on Monday and you can't have them on Tuesday and you can't have them on Wednesday and you can't have them on Thursday and you can't have them on Friday and you can't have them on... I'm going to do five or six. I'm going to give you every day. And then on that seventh day, we're going to walk in the house of God. And I don't care what the enemy's tried to do all week long. We've been striking all week. We've been saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. He said, write it on your doorpost. Let it be as frontlets between your eyes. If you think addiction's going to give up on you just because you want to give up on it, that's why it's called addiction. I love God, but I'm still drinking. You can beat it. The Holy Ghost will help you beat that. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm preaching to somebody. You can beat those cigarettes. You can beat those cigarettes. Strike the ground. Strike the ground. Strike the ground. Again and again and again and again. 
and do it on your own. It's not by your own might or by your power, but you can do it with the help of his spirit. And you might need to get some good counseling. You can beat pornography. Yes, you can. You can get away from that flirtation at work. I know where I'm at right now, buddy. Man, it'd be better for you to lose your job than your family. Is this all right? I'm preaching right now. Elder, I need a prophet every now and then. I need a pastor. I need a leader. I need an Elisha that'll say, come on. You got to get this. You got to get a hold of this. And it's a little tough as the pastor saying it, but you need a pastor. You can't let the internet pastor you. Listen to messages from 10 years ago calling them a common or modern day word. Man, I'm in, the, I'm in the flow right now. I'm glad they're your favorite preacher. I don't really care if I am, but you cannot substitute online what was preached to a different crowd. I believe God gives a word for the hour. And I've preached from this text many times. But all week long, he's been telling me, you go tell them, strike the arrows. Strike the arrows. Tell the devil that you're not giving up on your family. Tell the Lord that you are committed to his. I'm committed. I'm committed. If Elisha dies, we're going to have victory. If the prophet goes, we're going to have victory. Throw your hands towards heaven all over this place. I want it to be like you pulling the arrow back in the bow. And I want you to commit to the things of God.